0: Hello, folks, and welcome into another episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy here with you, joining you for Inside Texas, and I'm happy to be joined by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal sports editor, Carlos Silva Jr. Carlos, thanks for joining us today, man. How's it going?
1: Hey, not too bad, man. The weather's getting a little bit nicer. Fall's starting to get here, and
0: as you guys well know,
1: uh, UT Texas Tech Week is here, and everyone's excited.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We saw earlier today that uh, Texas Tech sold-out crowd coming this Saturday, so a lot to be excited about over there at Jones AT&T Stadium. Uh, I want to start off talking about a guy that Texas Tech fans are also really excited about, uh, first-year head coach Joey McGuire. Uh, after a legendary run at Cedar Hill High School, then he jumped for a few good years at Baylor. He takes over the reins with the Red Raiders. Uh, like I said, everybody's excited for his arrival in Lubbock, and so far... There's been a lot to be excited about through the first three games, two and one start. Can you touch on what this fan base is feeling with McGuire at the helm?
1: Well, I think the fact that you see their first sellout in a little bit uh, kind of tells you a lot. But granted, that might be due to Texas. I'm sure the same will happen when Oklahoma also ends the year for the regular season for the Red Raiders. But I think more than anything, I think. You kind of saw it slowly building once Sonny Cumbie became the interim head coach for Texas Tech last year when Matt Wells was let go midway through the season. They just started building a little bit of an identity for West Texas or the pump jack mentality, as Sonny Cumbie used to say. And then not only that, but it helps when you win a game against uh, Iowa State, get bowl eligible. And not only that, but you win your bowl against a team in Mississippi State that had a guy that a lot of uh, former fans and even just current fans were just very fond of and Mike Leach. So in a sense, you kind of maybe exercise some demons if, if, if that term really kind of sticks here for Texas Tech fans. And uh, once you have that, everything slates clean. Sonny Cumbie, the, the uh, former walk-on that turned into starting quarterback and head coach, leads the program to a bowl victory for the first time. And then all of a sudden you get all this great momentum for Joy McGuire on the recruiting side of things. And now obviously you start 2-0, and a uh, huge deal for Texas Tech with that big win over Houston in double overtime, and I think everything looks good when you're winning. But I think now it's going to be an interesting time of the year because you're coming off your first loss, and everyone's going to kind of see how they do to start Big Twelve play. And no, no better team to get a litmus test from than UT.
0: Yeah, so you, you mentioned starting strong two and zero, and then a, a tough loss last week. It was really a love. Sorry, a really a tough stretch to last. Mm-hmm couple of weeks uh, a really good houston team that you guys end up beating in overtime as you mentioned and then you fall by two scores to nc state uh through these first three weeks of action what's impressed you about this team and where do you see some areas to improve
1: certainly uh, the protection up front you look at donovan smith he's a kid that i know everyone saw him get the mvp for the liberty bowl obviously got him to a couple wins he i believe he's two and one in home games but uh the, the one thing that he's been doing and I think Joey McGuire and co- uh, offensive coordinators Zach Kitley have kind of really pumped the brakes on it to give fans a little bit of perspective. He's only at six career starts, so I mean he's still a young guy, he's still trying to learn learn the ropes, still trying to learn his decision making, but the one thing that really kind of makes that bell curve really steep is the fact that offensive line has not been able to protect him and hasn't had much time to sit in the pocket, try and look for things and maybe make a little bit better decisions. But
0: I think that's the one
1: thing you can look at in terms of the offensive line play not being able to get some protection for not only the running game to open up some holes and lanes for those guys like a sir roger thompson and nataj brooks but providing a little bit of extra time for donovan smith and baron morton when he does get his time in there and i mean if you want to throw this into tyler shut not getting uh, some of the reps that you were expecting to get him because he injured his collarbone earlier in the year and i think that's certainly something that joy mcguire and zek kitley won't use in a use as an excuse part of me but Certainly, you have to look at the fact that Donovan Smith has uh, five interceptions in the last couple games. So, not a good, not a good uh, last couple game for Donovan Smith. But again, he threw three interceptions, was sacked five times against Houston, and the defense kept a minute. They were able to get that double overtime victory And even then, you look at the NC State game, minus the pick six, a muff punt, and maybe some other bad plays. Granted, I understand you can really X's and O's and really kind of, you know, dissect a game by play by play. But Texas Tech was essentially outplaying from a statistical standpoint NC State. It's just they made some tough mistakes that really kind of put them behind the eight ball, and the defense kept them within it. I want to say up until about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and I think that was what really kind of hurt them is they just weren't able to get the ball back and do some positive things on the offensive
0: end. Yeah, absolutely, and it certainly hurts. You touched on him a little bit uh, when you're starting quarterback in the Oregon transfer. Tyler So uh, is going to be out until at least the Oklahoma game on October 8th. Joe McGuire said that in his press conference on Monday. So that means we're going to see Donovan Smith and maybe even a little bit of Baron Morton taking the reins at quarterback What makes them different from their starter and how much better or worse did the Red Raiders look offensively with them taking snaps last week? I know you touched a little bit on the the weakness of the offensive line, but what did the run game look like? What did the pass game look like? Out of those two, where did they struggle more? Where did they seem like they were better off at?
1: Well, it's funny because, I mean, Joey McGuire wants to play complimentary football. If you're not running the football well – you don't necessarily have to, you know, load the box a lot, so that hurts your passing game a little bit. Or if your running game's working a little bit better and you load the box, you got to pass the ball a little bit more, and neither have worked so far. And again, it goes back to that offensive line. But the question he asked about the three quarterbacks, talking to Zach Kittley and Joey McGuire, they all feel like they're talented guys. They don't really change the uh, the offensive play calls much. Yes, there are certain packages for Donovan Smith, who's about 6'5", 245, so you could certainly use them in goal line packages or you know, red zone situations where maybe you don't know if he's going to be running the ball up the middle uh, on a QB sneak or, you know, throwing the ball, just giving you that extra option or even putting them all in in the formation as well. You never know, a double QB pass, something like that. Again, we haven't seen it, but Zach Kitley has throwing everything out the window when you saw that flea flicker to start the start the season against Murray State. Granted, that's Murray State, but they do say that they want to put pressure on the defense. But right now, so far, the the pressure has been coming from the defense and the Texas Tech offense has just been trying to figure things out. But I certainly think when you go into this weekend, having Weston Wright come back from that ankle injury is going to help a little bit from a from an experience standpoint. He's one of their most experienced players, about 33 career starts to his name. And then that will allow some other guys like a Jacoby Jackson and some of the other athletic guards and swing tackles and some of those other guys really kind of figure out their ways. Because I think when you have experience, that helps. But not only that, but then you just have to have consistency because I think that's what hurt Texas Tech last year was you had a lot of guys in and out due to injury. And, again, it happens to everyone, but you just have to try and figure out ways to win. And, fortunately, Texas Tech was able to do that the first two games. One against Murray State, like I said, probably not on the on the uh, level of Houston, even though people could make the argument they did lose to Kansas. But Kansas isn't your typical Kansas, uh, as Texas well know. knows. But the thing is, is you just look at what – Texas Tech was able to do. They struggled against Kansas, uh, part yeah struggled against Kansas the last several years as well under Matt Wells. But you look at what they've been able to do, and I think the one thing that they're able to do right now, play solid on defense, keep the offense with within you know striking distance. Because yes, despite those struggles as we talked about, the offense is still quick to score. If they get an open guy in a Miles Price, a Loic Fungi, or a Jaron Bradley, who you could certainly see as a breakout star for this Red Raiders team, I certainly think you could see some special things for the Red Raiders this year.
0: I think it's a fair comparison to sort of look at the similarities between this year's Texas Tech offense and last year's Texas offense. Uh, Just because of the young offensive line, you've got a new quarterback in there in the system, but your skill guys are really, really good. So both of those teams sort of looking to find ways uh, to get their skilled players ball, not to mention both of them, a first-year head coach as well. So some comparisons there. I want to flip to the defensive side of the ball. Last week, uh, Tyree Wilson, a phenomenal outing: eleven tackles, mm-hmm. three and a half for loss, and two sacks in the loss. He's leading his team in all three of those categories through the first three games. Not to mention the fact uh, he's got the upside to be a first first-round pick, according to Pro yep. Football Network. Uh, What does Wilson do really well for this tech defense? Who else sort of stands out around him? And in what areas does this Red Reader defense look really good?
1: Well, first and foremost, when you all see him on the field, you're going to see he has things you can't teach, which is length with his wingspan, speed on the outside, on the edge. And he gets to the the football. A lot of times, sometimes, as you saw against NC State, he had a couple times where they just forgot to block him, and he's going to make you pay for that. And another thing that they're trying to add, I know – Coach Tinder didn't kind of mention when it would happen, but there would be times that they would throw him back in coverage to kind of confuse the quarterback because you're expecting a guy his size with his speed and his quickness to come from the edge or maybe, you know, kind of bull rush your offensive lineman. If he goes back with his long wingspan, he could certainly tip up a ball, deflect the ball, maybe even create some, you know, turnovers in that sense too. So I think that's something that makes him so versatile from a standpoint of, as you mentioned, in the NFL. There's a lot of these, you know, uh, versatile players where you're going to have a linebacker that can put his hand in the hand in the uh, grass or the artificial turf. I mean, not to obviously it's probably a terrible comparison, but just you look at a Micah Parsons where you can put him anywhere. That's essentially how they feel about Tyree Wilson. He's a guy that you can play anywhere. I'm not saying he's got the same talent, but he's he's got the same characteristics of where you have the size where if you need to put his hand in the ground he can go against an offensive lineman you can put him on the edge because he has that speed and quickness and the hand technique to really kind of get past some of those outside uh, tackles as well but then the other thing that you can do and this is something that he's certainly going to work on the this footwork and just you know the ball awareness to see in coverage because that's really going to be the next level for him to really step up his game when you're looking at the nfl prospects and speaking of guys that are really stepping up along with Tyree Wilson. I think you look at a Phillip Bleedy. I know he's not a guy that a lot of people are talking about, but he's got two sacks, which is about half a sack behind Tyree Wilson. He's a guy on the defensive line on the interior that could certainly create some havoc if he and Jalen Hutchings can get things going, along with the Tony Bradford, who is another guy that's a veteran that is just you know very savvy in being able to get to the get to the backfield, but they're going to have a huge challenge when you look at a Bajon Robinson and some of the other guys that you have uh, from the Longhorns in terms of their backfield because they are guys that are going to put pressure on some of these D tackles and some of these other guys that are you know, trying to close up these lanes or just try and you know, funnel them to the linebackers because they're difficult to tackle. And speaking of that last one that I'm going to mention, Krishan Merriweather, he's another linebacker uh, that could be a huge asset for Texas Tech in terms of slowing down. Bijan Robinson, because that's going to be a guy that's going to likely get the ball a lot of times, especially after the way that he played against UTSA, where Texas struggled. But then, as you just alluded to, Coach Sarkeesian found his playmaker, gave him the ball, gave some other people the ball, and they were able to score and get out of that trouble that they were in early in the first half last week against UTSA.
0: Yeah, you talked about Bijan and when the Red Raiders take a look at this Texas team a week ago, you know, Bijan and Roshan Johnson blew it up in the run game. 264 yards, Bijan added on, three touchdowns. I suspect we're going to get a heavy dosage on the ground again this week, but there also is the possibility that Quinn Ewers makes an early comeback appearance uh, as he practiced on Monday. We'll see what his status is throughout the rest of the week. So with all of that in mind, it's another week we talked to – Greg Luca last week for UTSA and there was a lot of unknowns for this Texas offense. And now this week, it's sort of the same thing. We really don't know what we're going to get just because of that Ewers news on Monday. Without all of that in mind, how does the tech defense approach this week schematically? What's the game plan?
1: I think the big thing for Texas tech is you have to slow down the two guys that are going to probably be getting the ball and trying to get through the tackles around the outside. And that starts with Bajan and Roshon Johnson. Uh, Bishon Robinson and Roshon Johnson. I think you, if you're able to slow those guys down, I think the the back end of their defense has gotten a little bit better. I think that could be a situation where if Texas does throw the ball a little bit vertical, that could be a problem for Texas Tech. It seems to have been short up a little bit, at least based on the way that they played against NC State. Malik Dunlap certainly played very well. I think the one thing that's going to hurt them a little bit is Adrian Fry may not be available this weekend, so they're going to be a little bit less deep on the back end, but they have other guys that can step up like a Kobe Miner or some of these other guys that can certainly play back there. But uh, the one thing that Texas Tech has done so far is slow down the run for their opposition. Now, granted, like I said, Murray State, Houston didn't run it too well. NC State was probably the first time that they had a capable offensive line and capable running back to kind of look at. So that's kind of where I would say if Texas fans want to see what they could see, that could be where you really see what Texas Tech is able to do. Yes, they struggled at times, but then they made adjustments, were able to Again, slowed down NC State to where they still kept it within a couple scores, and if Tech is able to do that against Texas, anything can happen in this contest. As you know, it's been shown minus last year, obviously, where Texas Tech was just so injury-depleted at that point. It was just a tough one for them to even kind of get back in that contest. But you could look at the game where both of these offenses could really get going if the defense is unable to, you know, keep the keep the top on the cap of that one in terms of their
0: defenses. Yeah, certainly. Obviously, a year ago, the 70-35 win for Texas, uh, a big one for their offense. We'll see uh, if they can emulate the same thing this time around. And in his press conference on Monday, Joey McGuire called Steve Sarkeesian, quote, one of the best play callers in the game, end quote, and complimented his, his usage of skill players on offense, which is something we touched on a little bit earlier where I mentioned what Sarkeesian did in his first year to kind of get that offense going. It was a tough year. I want to talk a little bit about the tech offense, though, and specifically how McGuire and offensive coordinator Zach Kidley, who we've talked a little bit about today, uh, work together. When it comes to their play calling, what can the Longhorns expect on the tech offensive side of the ball, and where is it the Red Raiders are good at in finding defense in finding gaps in the defense?
1: I know everyone's going to talk about the air raid, but this isn't your mother and father's air raid, uh... Zach Kitley has certain things that he likes to do, but he, as he likes to talk about, oh, at least on the Mondays that we talked to him during our press conferences, he's still working through the game planning, but he tries to be very specific with each opponent. So are they playing covered three? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? But if I had to guess, based on the way that they played against NC State, I think they're going to probably move the pocket a little bit to make sure that Donovan gets maybe a couple more seconds. They're going to probably see what Jerron Bradley can do and maybe quicker out routes or maybe some quicker in routes or maybe get miles price a little bit more involved or maybe even get some of the running backs involved in whether that's a screen or maybe something to where they slot them to where they slot the running back out as a wide receiver and just kind of put a little bit of pressure that way spread out the defense so that you're not necessarily having to you know go max protect or maybe there are some certain packages where they go max protect to ensure that maybe the two receivers that they do have running routes do get some get some work as well and not only that but then they just have to block better overall and I think that's something that Jack Kitley's trying to do is they're trying to get those 11-10 personnel try mm-hmm. and get those tight ends involved and I think that's gonna be something you may see a little bit more with the Henry Teeter now Mason Tharp who was fighting through injuries he got his most uh, targets against NC State I think he might be someone that could get a little bit more targets against Texas if he's able to show that he can block at a very efficient level like a Henry Teeter that's what allowed him to really really move up the ladder in terms of starting at the tight end position is the fact that he showed consistency of not, you know, missing practices and not only that, but then a really good blocker. But in terms of what you're talking about, yeah, it, you're going to see some variation of the air rate in terms of, you know, passing the ball, but he likes to be very balanced. And not only that, but if he can tailor it to what the defense is going to do, like, a, like the Longhorns, as we just mentioned, he may do some different things, but based on what I saw last week, You're going to definitely see maybe some packages where they max protect for Donovan Smith to give him some extra time, maybe trying to establish the run game early if they're able to. So that puts a little bit less pressure on Donovan as well, because then obviously you're trying to figure out, okay, can we stop the run? And if we can, not maybe we've got to put more guys here. And then that gives you one-on-one with Jaron Bradley, Loic Fungi, Miles Price, Nehemiah Martinez, Xavier White. I can keep going with all the wide receiver talent that they have, but again, you have to have time to get the ball to those, talented wide receivers, and that's what Donovan Smith has not had. And not only that, but then you also have to make good decisions with Donovan Smith has not done. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Donovan Smith. And again, uh, the other thing that I'll say, Joey McGuire does not fall into the cliche of if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If he had Tyler Shuck playing right now, as they showed on against Murray State, they're going to play all three quarterbacks because as he feels, he's got the most talented uh, offensive coordinator in the country. If you've got talented quarterbacks, find a reason to put them on the field and make them you know, show their talents. And that's what they were able to do against Murray State. They did it against uh, Houston. It may have been later in the contest with Barron Morton, but then obviously Barron Morton came in against NC State because they knew what they were going to see with them dropping, and Barron has a very good arm. So that's uh, something to kind of see. Maybe they'll switch out in those senses. But, again, we'll we'll see when we get there. But in terms of what to expect, just look for a balanced offense that's going to try to establish – uh, running the football and maybe trying to throw the throw the long pass a couple times because that's certainly something that could help Texas Tech in terms of uh, you know emptying the box a little bit. So Donovan isn't uh, looking at the rush as much as he did last weekend.
0: All right, speaking with Carlos Silva, Jr. from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, a couple real quick questions for you here before we get you out of here. Um, To throw in here, are there any major injuries for Texas Tech coming into this game? We've talked about a couple, but that could. Any others maybe we haven't mentioned or others that you want to expand more on that are really going to affect the outcome of this game potentially?
1: Uh, I think Cadron Fry might be something, like I said, that uh, takes away some depth at the back end of the defense. He also was your punt returner, so you may see Drew cut Miles Price, Uh, take on that role so that could be something interesting because again uh, that that was one of the tough things last week is you had a muff punt so that's certainly something that could play into there other than that I mean Weston Wright coming back is going to certainly help you on the offensive line in terms of uh, other injuries obviously Bryce Ramirez uh, prayers and thoughts with him uh, with what happened with the terrible injury last last week again that takes away some depth as well from the defense. But as uh, some of the players have talked about, next man up, you have to try and figure things out with what you have. And we'll see how Krishan Merriweather and some of those other guys really step up. And again, I think those would probably be the main ones that may have uh, some some uh, impact on, on what could happen in the game planning. I think those are the ones that just kind of stick out off the top of my head. There might be some other ones, but at least th- those are the ones that I could see that could impact in terms of Weston Wright returning and Adrian Fry not being available.
0: Yeah, and I I have to we'd be remiss if we didn't add in here that uh, all of the Texas fan base, which is the best to Bryce Ramirez, the Texas Tech linebacker, suffered a severe lower left leg fracture, was taken to Wake Medical Center in North Carolina last week, went through two successful surgeries and the former walk on was making his first start last Saturday. And uh, we hope nothing but the best for him. Hope it's a speedy recovery so that he can start in plenty more games for the red and black out in Lubbock. Uh, Last question here for you, Carlos. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned earlier this week that Texas men's basketball coach and uh, Texas Tech favorite, I would think, Chris Beard, has reached out to him uh, to help prepare for playing in the Lubbock environment. Uh, Obviously sold out crowd. Beard would definitely know what it's like to play out there. Um, Can you give us an idea of what this atmosphere is going to be like and also maybe an over under on how many tortillas are going to be thrown?
1: I'm sure there's going to be tortillas in the hundreds. Uh, (laughs) As Joey McGuire joked about, he's hoping it's not going to have any beer bottles being thrown. I know he's been joking about that. If people aren't throwing beer, it should be in the air in celebration. They're going to give him a reason to celebrate about that. But in terms of the atmosphere, I mean, it's going to be your typical college football atmosphere where there's a sold-out crowd. I think that there's a little bit being maybe too much being put on this because of Chris Beard being put into the equation. I think that's a totally different situation where you've got a much more intimate crowd. That's in an arena.
0: It's going to be a lot
1: louder because obviously all the uh, screams hooting and hollering are going to be bounced off the rafters back down into the, into the crowd. Certainly it's going to be loud because there's going to be some rowdy fans and it's an in-state rival, potentially the last time the Longhorns could be visiting Lubbock, but I don't think there's that much, uh, Vitriol, I don't know if that's too strong of a word toward Sarkeesian. Yes, he's wearing the burnt orange, but I think there's a different a different feeling when there's uh you know, a guy that's taken a team to the national championship and final fours and really kind of set the program on fire and then all of a sudden he just decides to go to an in state rival. I think there's a little bit of a difference between those type of things, and I think uh, you can't go wrong if you're asking for advice from Chris Beard. He's certainly been in those type of situations, but I think it's a little bit different. And not only that, but I mean, people are going to say, "Yeah, you can give them advice," but look at what happened to Texas on the basketball court as well. I mean, that 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 did happen. So I mean, there's one of those things. But like I said, I, I don't necessarily think there's too much to be said. I think there's just people that try to dig into it too much. I think it's just going to be a regular college football atmosphere. There's obviously going to be some some craziness just based on the rivalry uh again the fact that the longhorns may not be back uh, potentially because of their move to the sec we'll see how things you know uh, evolve on that front going forward with texas and texas tech but i think there's those two things that may add a little bit more of a spice to it but in terms of you know just adding some extra vitriol or any you know extra i don't know charge if you
0: will i don't necessarily think there's too much to to look into it with that this was a really great talk and a huge thank you to Carlos Silva Jr. of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal for joining us today. Really appreciate his time and all the great work that our good friends in Lubbock do up there. Be sure to give him a follow at CM Silva Jr. On Twitter. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of on Texas football. I want to say a huge thank you for all of you to joining us on the channel today. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. If you enjoyed this content and keep up with all the great stuff that's coming out throughout the West. of Rest of the wing. Ian Boyd and I's weekly game preview episode coming at you tomorrow. For our producer, Matthew Hutchison and all the great folks at Inside Texas, my name is Tommy Yarsh. Thank you again for watching and have a wonderful rest of your day.